new on Curiosity Stream. Get ready for the best of the best with our 100 Days of Curiosity, featuring fan favorite titles like Light on Earth with Sir David Attenborough. Join me on a journey like no other. Stephen Hawking's favorite places. It's a crazy world out there. The history of home with Nick Offerman. Not my home, just homes. Other people's homes. And many more. Don't miss 100 Days of Curiosity, happening right now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. I already mentioned that my coworkers and I were going to meet up today in my last video, and that's what we did. And boy, was it a day. When I arrived at the saloon in Twinvale Point at four in the afternoon, just like we discussed, the other actors were already sat at the large round table in the middle of the room, talking excitedly. Fashionably late to her own party, Mitchell commented, raising the bottle of light beer he was holding to me. I grinned. More like Darius's party, though, isn't it? Did you bring the key? I asked, sinking onto the cushioned chair flanked by Anne and Maxine. Darius nodded and reached into his pocket to produce a small, shiny steel key. I reached my hand out to take it, but stopped seconds before my fingers could come into contact with it. You, uh, you did clean it properly, right? Darius flushed, rolled his eyes, and nodded. Okay. I'll trust you on this, I said, taking the key from his hands. It didn't look special in any way. Had I not known about the adventurous journey this nondescript little object had taken through my co-worker's digestive system the day prior, I would have never suspected there to be anything off about it. I had the others take a look at it, but none of them seemed to recognize it. I then placed it in the middle of the table, and we just stared at it quizzically for a few seconds, until Oliver broke the pensive silence. So, let me get this straight. You want to find out where the not-actors are from, and what they are, and you're saying that this mystery key is going to help with that. I'm saying it might, I argued. The nurse has never acted up before. Everyone, including Darius, thought she was mentally completely incapable. And now, all of a sudden, she not only gets her hands on a key but she also musters up enough vitality and strength to shove it down her handler's throat? I could hear Darius gag slightly at the mention. On top of that, I recently had a very interesting encounter with Dale. He was circling the park holding a notebook while quietly chanting to himself. I managed to get a glimpse of his writings. While I did not have much time to study the book, there was one phrase that kept reappearing and really stood out to me. We who now claim ownership of this land are aware of and willing to pay the price, I recited. Oliver frowned. This is all really intriguing, but are you guys sure we want to know what this is about? It's always been obvious that something's seriously messed up here, but maybe we should just let it go. I think all of us have tried on some occasions to find out about this place, and none of us ever succeeded. Maybe it's better this way. I mean, what if we don't like what we find? Anne leaned forward in her chair, a stern look on her face. Don't you get it? That's exactly why we need to know more. Dale's acting shady as hell, and if he's up to something freaky, maybe we're part of his plan. Whatever is going on here directly involves every single one of us. She's right, Maxine chimed in. Also, we don't know if the other not-actors are going to act up as well. I don't know about you guys, 
but when the big fluffy one goes berserk, I do not want to be anywhere near him, now that we actually have the chance to find out more. No way we're going to pass it up. I nodded grimly. Then it's settled. Okay, so here's the deal. Mitchell, Oliver, and Caroline, I need the three of you to help me out with your pretenders. The aged diva and the pianist can talk, and might be able to tell us some interesting things if we get through to them. Of course, I don't know how to approach this exactly, but we'll figure it out. The cowboy might not be able to talk, but he'll try to help. Maybe he can tell us the visual way. I brought a pen and some paper. You sure he'll try to help? Mitchell asked quizzically. Of course. He's helping us out all the time, I responded, a bit taken aback. I'm not sure what you're talking about, but if you say so. I shrugged. As I was saying, the four of us will try and talk to the not-actors. And yes, we will totally feel like morons, but that doesn't matter right now. Maxine, Anne, and Darius, you will try and find whatever lock fits this key. Once we know that, we'll probably know how the nurse came into possession of it in the first place as well. Just try every single door in this park until you've got the right one. Start with Dale's office, though. Maybe we're lucky. Shouldn't someone keep an eye out for Dale himself, though? Darius spoke up. I mean, you said he was wandering around the edge of the park. Maybe he's doing that right now as well. Maxine raised her hand. Then how about I go look for him, and you guys try and find the matching lock? Good idea, I replied. Have some of you got your walkie-talkies with you by any chance? I looked around to see affirmative nods from Anne, Maxine, and Mitchell. All right. It'll be easier to stay in touch this way. As soon as anyone has found anything that could be of importance, they have to radio us. Especially you, Maxine. If you find Dale anywhere, follow him and keep us updated about his position. We need to avoid running into him. I don't think we'd get into trouble, but who knows? Better he stays unaware of what we're doing here, I explained. After we had checked our portable radios, we each got up and left in our small groups. Maxine went straight for the outer edge of the park, while Darius and Anne headed for Dale's office. Mitchell, Oliver, Caroline, and I figured it would be best to go for the Hollywood section first, mainly since we were not expecting the not-actors there to be too helpful. Our first stop was the pianist's restaurant. Mitchell, Oliver, and I waited by the door, watching as Caroline walked inside and greeted the man in the white tuxedo. He was sitting on his piano stool as usual, his fingers dancing over the black and white keys. I admit, his music is very relaxing to listen to. If it weren't for him being a lethal threat, I would maybe even be able to enjoy it. Good afternoon, Caroline said upon halting beside him. He didn't look up. Caroline glanced over at us and I shrugged, to which she grimaced and turned back to the pianist. Could you maybe tell us something about yourself? No reaction. The man simply kept playing, not paying attention to the woman next to him. Caroline frowned, chewing on her lower lip. Can you hear me? She inquired. She waited for about ten seconds before letting out a sigh. I'm sorry to have bothered you, she told him, then turned around and walked back over to us. Well, that was disappointing, Mitchell remarked. But not surprising either, Caroline added. I told you, he's never said a word other than when he's thanking people, really. It's, it was worth a try, nonetheless. 
I replied, and addressing Oliver, added, Now where's that screen goddess of yours? It took us a while to find her. She was sitting in an ice cream parlor a little further away from the main plaza. Maybe it was due to there being no visitors around, but she looked a bit sad. We let Oliver do the talking. The aged woman seemed quite elated to see him. It was just like I thought. They appeared to get along very well. Can you tell us about Hollywood? Oliver began once they had exchanged pleasantries. The diva smiled. I don't understand. Was there a time before this? Have you always been here? Why, yes, dear. I thought you knew. And are you happy here? Oliver asked, a hint of insecurity in his voice. Of course I am, sweetheart. As happy as a girl can be. It was when she said this that I noticed a certain twitch of her eye, like someone blinking away a tear. Assuming it to have been my imagination, but not wanting to take any chances, I quietly asked Oliver to repeat the question. A bit confused, he followed my whispered order and once more asked, Are you happy here? Of course I am, sweetheart, as happy as a girl can be. There it was again, a twitch of her left lower lip. This time I was certain. I'm not sure what had gotten into me, but I just suddenly had an idea. I shrugged my backpack off my shoulders and hurriedly pulled out a marker and a piece of paper, both of which I handed to Oliver. Tell her to write that down for us, I told him under my breath. Oliver slid the marker and paper across the table. Would you mind writing down what you just said? He asked politely. The aged diva stared at the paper, then back up at him, firmly holding her handler's gaze. Her one hand that wasn't holding the long, slender cigarette reached for the marker. It was like her hand moved on its own accord as she began scribbling down letters. Oliver had to hold the paper in place so as to keep it from sliding off the table under the marker's forceful pressure. When she was done, she let go of the marker and stared up at us with wide, blank eyes. None of us said a word, so when the skin of her face slowly began to droop, the four of us were equally startled. Mitchell, who apparently had not had the pleasure of watching her dematerialize very often before, covered his mouth with his palm to keep himself from retching. Once the older woman had disappeared, Oliver, who still looked a bit shaken, reached out to take the piece of paper. I frowned. I don't know what I was expecting, but it was certainly not that. There was just a single word, but it was written over and over again. Laurel. The aged diva had scribbled it down several times, her handwriting sloppy and barely legible. Caroline was the first one to break the silence. What does it mean? I, I don't... I don't know, I muttered. I don't even know why I came up with this in the first place. I just wanted to see if she could write, I guess. After a short pause, I added, You think Laurel might be her name? The not actors don't have names, though, Caroline argued. I felt a lump form in my throat. Maybe they used to, I muttered. I don't understand, Oliver breathed. He sounded shocked, and quite understandably so. She shouldn't have exploded. None of us even said a word. This is... 
This is a bit unsettling, to be honest. We'd best leave her alone for today. Let's just go for the cowboy next. Maybe he's going to be a bit more informative, Mitchell suggested. We set out for Twinvale Point. About two minutes into our walk, Mitchell's walkie-talkie came crackling to life. Hey guys, Anna here. The familiar voice of my friend came from the speaker. Darius and I have tried the door to Dale's office several times now. No luck. We also tried the restrooms, the ticket booths, and, well, basically every other door we came across. But the key has to fit somewhere, right? I thought out loud. Maybe it's for something inside of Dale's office then. Okay, but how do we get in there? Anne asked. Probably not at all, I replied. Also, I, I, I might be wrong. Just try some more doors if you can find any, and if not, come back to the saloon. Caroline leaned over to speak into Mitchell's portable radio. Any news from Maxine's side? A faint buzzing of static followed before Maxine's voice came on. No, Dale. I've been looking around for quite a while now. No trace of him. That's a good thing, I guess, Oliver remarked, and I nodded. Don't stop, though, I told her. He might still be around here somewhere. Our little group soon reached the entrance to Twinvale Point. We didn't have to look long for the cowboy. In fact, shortly after we had entered the Wild West part of the park, an empty plastic water bottle came flying towards us, seemingly out of nowhere, and hit Mitchell on the head. He cursed, and upon turning into the direction the bottle had been thrown from, we spotted his pretender sitting on the porch of one of the closed gift shops. That hurt you, asshole, Mitchell shouted. Where'd you even find that thing? Letting out a cheerful cackle, the cowboy casually pointed at a nearby trash can. Mitchell groaned. Normally I'd kick your ass for that, but I actually kind of need your help right now. The cowboy began to wheeze with laughter as he raised his hand and flipped them off. Mitchell turned to look at me. See what I tell you. Help us my ass. I shook my head and stepped in front of my colleague, addressing the not actor. I called out. By that he means we all need your help. Can we ask you a few questions, please? To my surprise, he didn't hesitate. He got up and walked up to us. I smiled. Mitchell let out a low growl, not unlike that of Mr. Scratch. You've got to be kidding me. We took the pretender over to another, smaller, saloon-style bar, where we sat down on the porch. I pulled out pen and paper once again and slid them over to the cowboy. He stared down at them blankly, then looked back up at us. I cleared my throat. You can't write, can you? He looked a little embarrassed, slowly shaking his head. Suddenly he perked up as if he had remembered something. He grabbed the marker and slowly, concentratedly, began writing something. It took him about half a minute, and when he was done, he held it up for us to see. I instantly felt reminded of the diva. Again, it was just a single word. And again, it was a name. Except this time, it was my name. Leia. I don't think I've told you yet, but my name is Leia. The cowboy was smiling proudly, and I wasn't quite sure of what to say. So I decided it would be best to smile back and ask some more questions ignoring the quizzical stares of my co-workers. Are you happy here? In Twinvale Point, I mean. He nodded eagerly. Um, 
Is there anything you want us to know? I inquired. Pretty straightforward, I know. The cowboy looked confused. He seemed to think for a while, then shook his head. Okay, what about Dale? For how long have you known him? No reaction. I offered him the marker again, but he didn't seem to want to write down anything either. Is he to be trusted? Caroline chimed in. The cowboy didn't look at her. Instead, he slowly cast his eyes to the ground below him. We tried asking him some more random questions, but he replied to none of them. We were quickly running out of ideas. Suddenly a thought crossed my mind. There was one more thing I could ask. Why don't you ever speak? The pretender's head jerked up and he stared at me with wide eyes. He then slowly rose from his seat and pushed past us. We watched in silent bewilderment as he walked off. Shouldn't we stop him? Mitchell asked. I shook my head. I suddenly felt extremely guilty. I still wish I hadn't asked him that. Something about that question must have hit a nerve with him. I don't know if it's even possible to hurt a not-actor's feelings, but somehow I feel like I did just that. The four of us stood on the bar's porch a little while longer, before returning to the saloon. Darius and Anne were already waiting for us, and it appeared that Maxine had given up her search and returned as well. We told them about everything that had happened, and had to admit that we were none the wiser. On the plus side, I came up with the idea of contacting the former handler of Mr. Scratch and asked Darius about him. He seems to remember him pretty well. He gave me his number and I called him this evening. His name is Joshua and he says that he would gladly receive me to talk about his time at his former job. So while our little investigation today brought up nothing but further questions, I might come back tomorrow with an interesting story about how my predecessor lost his legs. I admit I'm rather disappointed right now, though, but I'm not giving up just yet.